Communications Manager for Sklo Center Region Library, and we are located in the heart of downtown State College on the corner of Beaver Avenue and Allen Street. And this episode is dropping uh, Wednesday, November 21st, so happy Thanksgiving early. Um, you might be listening to this either on Thanksgiving Day or after Thanksgiving, but uh, if that's the case, hope uh, you're having a great holiday. Hope you have a, had a great Thanksgiving as we get into the heart of the holiday season. Uh, this might not matter, but just a reminder of, of our library hours. Uh, we close uh, on 6 p.m. Wednesday, November 21st, and are closed Thanksgiving Day, November 22nd, as well as Friday, November 23rd. So just keep that in mind, if, depending on when you are listening to this. And then we're reopening regular hours on Saturday, November 24th. Since uh, we are around Thanksgiving and season of giving thanks and the holidays. Uh, I mentioned this uh, in our last episode about how thankful we are at the library that uh, people voted uh, SCLO as the best community space. And again, thank you so much for that. And just in general, thank you for your support of SCLO, whether as a volunteer, whether you come as a patron and, and borrow materials. It's, it's awesome. It's great. And just uh, you know, your community, the community support Sklo receives is just amazing, and we are just so thankful for that. And hopefully, if you are listening to this, you love Sklo and you love libraries, and so hopefully, you will love uh, this interview we have today. It's with author writer Susan Orlean. Uh, she's the staff writer at the New Yorker magazine, and she's written uh, several books, including The Orchid Thief, and she wrote a book about Rin Tin Tin. She just came out with a book called The Library Book, and it's based around a, a fire in the mid-1980s at the Los Angeles Public Library, but it's also, it's also a book just in general about public libraries and what goes on at public libraries, what they mean to communities. Um, a review in Entertainment Weekly about the book uh, writes about how uh, Susan Orlean delves into the evolution of libraries across the country and around the world from a metropolitan charitable charitable initiative to a cornerstone of national identity. Along the way, she reveals how these buildings provide much more than just books and that they are needed now more than ever. And so hopefully you feel that way about SCLO. Uh, we, I know that's how we feel at SCLO, being of service to the community. Um, so it's really, again, this book has become a, a popular and a timely book because on a, um, there was a, a column written a few months ago in Forbes magazine. A writer wrote how libraries should be replaced by Amazon stores, and that received a huge backlash. Uh, Forbes, in fact, took it down from their site, and a lot of columns started popping up uh, praising libraries. And, and there's just been seems to be this renewed love of libraries, and I think that's why. Susan's book is Susan Orlean's book is just so timely. So hopefully, hopefully, you enjoy my conversation with Susan Orlean. Um, she, she's not coming to SCLO, and that wasn't the reason uh, for the interview. It's just the book just seems so timely, and uh, given it's about libraries, we thought you would enjoy it. So here's our conversation with Susan Orlean. 
first of all, uh, Susan, thank you for uh, for joining us for the, for this uh, episode of our podcast. Um, and congratulations with the book. It, it, I've seen nothing but great uh, reviews about it, so you must be excited to, that it's uh, out now and, and people are getting a chance to read it. I'm really excited. It's a, it's a great feeling after spending such a long time on a project to see it really come out into the world and um, have it be received warmly. It's fantastic. And you just had this uh, event at the uh, the Los Angeles Public Library. Uh, how did that go? The I guess it was the anniversary celebration for the, for that for that library. How did that go with, with that? Event? It, it was it was really wonderful, um, particularly because a lot of the people who attended are were librarians, and to have them embrace embrace the book um, is a particular pleasure. First of all, that, you know, these are the people who really know the library. So uh, if you're going to have critics who are credentialed and can tell you, you got it wrong, they would be the ones. (laughs) And, um, but also because it really is a celebration of what they do and to have them respond as warmly as they have has been very gratifying. That's great. Um, I guess can you talk about when you started this book, did you envision it to become sort of this book that um, is about of a, lo- a love of libraries and public libraries, or did you think you were just going to be focusing on a, a specific event? How, how did that evolve? I, I was first attracted to the idea of celebrating libraries more than I, this was before I even knew about the fire. I had really fallen back in love with libraries and, and become really aware of how much they meant to me and particularly how much they figured in my childhood, my love of reading, my appreciation of what's special about libraries. So it had already been on my mind. I just wasn't sure how it would work as a book. When I found out about the fire at the LA Public Library, it it actually provided me with the dramatic narrative that I hadn't been able to figure out yet. So I I already was looking at libraries and thinking, boy, I'd love to write a book about a library. I just didn't quite know how it would be shaped. And this provided the skeleton for me. Yeah, can you talk about I guess your personal journey? And um, you, you said uh, it was libraries were a big part of your childhood, and then I think I read where you sort of when you know it wasn't a big part of your life. Um, but then you, I think, when you moved out to Los Angeles, they became uh, you, you uh, reappreciate or, or grew in love again with the libraries. I guess talk about your journey with that. I think that I probably had. A an arc of library usage that's maybe kind of typical, which is when I was a kid, um, I was absolutely crazy for libraries. I went all the time with my mom. I thought they were the most bountiful, remarkable places in the world. When I was in college, I used the library all the time and really loved 
the experience of working in a library, wandering through a library. Then I became a book buyer. <laughs> I, I think it was uh, probably because I had my first apartments and wanted to fill them with books. So it, it wasn't that I was rejecting libraries as much as I they they filled me with a love of books, which at that point then became translated into wanting to own books. I couldn't stop buying them. I Every book that I was interested in, I wanted to own. I wanted to own beautiful books of photography. I wanted, I just wanted books. Mm-hmm. I wanted them in my home. I wanted my bookshelves to be filled with the books that I had read that mattered to me. So I fell out of the habit. The idea that I would go to the library to take a book out that I wanted seemed very foreign at that point because all I wanted was to go to the li- to go to a bookstore and buy the book I wanted. I didn't want to wait. I didn't feel any desire to be sharing a book with anybody else. I wanted my own. When my son came to be the age where he was old enough to begin enjoying going to the library, I was really reacquainted with them and what makes them so remarkable. And that's what began making me think about my own childhood and those powerful memories of going to the library with my mom I hadn't even realized how meaningful it was to me until I began taking my own son and then realizing how much I missed being part of that very special environment. Wow. That's, I, and I think I read somewhere where you talked about your mom and um, her struggles um, I believe I'm sorry with uh, dementia or Alzheimer's and, and when you were going through this, uh, can you talk a little bit about what she meant to you in terms of, um, just overall, but also in bringing, uh, you know, bringing you to the library and those memories. My favorite memories when I be, really was reconnected to thinking about this, um, my favorite memories of my mom were of those trips to the library and going with her. And she loved the library. She thought it was the most remarkable thing in the world that you could go borrow a book that you wanted. She would sometimes fantasize about becoming a librarian and and how wonderful it would be to be a librarian. It was something we really shared, this love of the library and love of books As she began developing dementia, one of the things that I really began to realize is that many of the memories that we shared together, I I began to wonder, well, what what would it mean if she could no longer remember these moments that we had shared together? It really was a very profound part of losing someone was to see them losing the the memory of sharing this time together. And for a parent, it it's so basic. It's so much part of who you are to think that your parent remembers how they 
treated you when you were a kid. And it, it was a, a huge loss. It was interesting to be working on a book about memory just at the moment that my mother was losing her memories. And by the time I was deep into the book, she really had no memories at all. Wow. Um, did you, uh, did her, I guess, did her, was it passed down? Did her mom take her to the library? Did you feel that was it a, almost um, passing down that love um, to you? You know, that's a great question. Um, my grandparents on my mom's side uh, were European and were lived in Hungary until they were already a married couple with children. So I don't know what the culture of libraries in in Hungary um, might have been at that time. So I don't I don't really know uh, that now you've made me very curious. <laughs> <laughs> that could be for the sequel. There. <laughs> yeah, but I do know that when my mom came to the United States, um, libraries were really in their their fullest flower. And so my mom definitely grew up going to the library. And I'm assuming that my grandparents were at the very least quite supportive of, of that. And it was something that, you know, by the time I was born, my mother was a card carrying library lover. And that was just an automatic part of our life. Hmm. Besides being a place where you can now take, take your child. um, What do you, I guess, appreciate or love about the, the libraries now that maybe you didn't, either wasn't in your radar screen or whatever when, when you were, when you were a kid? Uh, one thing that's a big surprise is how much libraries have in their collections that aren't just books. They, um, and of course a small branch library might not have, uh, the depth of a collection that a big library would have, but the Los Angeles public library, for instance, has an enormous amount of material that is not in the form of a book. They have 200,000 photographs. They have the menus of every Los Angeles restaurant go, dating back many, many decades. They, they have maps and atlases. They have so much material that, that isn't a book. And as a result is something tangible and physical that might never be online either. So uh, this, this was a great revelation to me because like a lot of people, I just assumed libraries had books. That's what they had. And they, there's so much more than that. One thing that struck me was um, with the fire that you, can you talk about your experience that you actually purchased a book to, and, and, um, and put on, uh, and burned it. And just to, just to have, I guess, that sense of feeling or what that meant. I mean, can you talk about that experience? Uh, well, it was very, it was very troubling to tell you the truth. I, I, I was just curious about the taboo of burning a book. I mean, we have, there are many taboos, but certainly burning things, 
Um, there are lots of things you toss in a fire you don't think about. A newspaper, uh, you know, they're they're just the taboo against burning a book is really powerful because my, my book was about the burning of books and the burning of libraries. I got very curious about it, about why it was such a taboo and, and also just what it would feel like, what it would look like. I decided I would burn a book I also then found it very difficult to do um, because of that very thing that it's really um, something we take seriously. It's, it's a, there is some quality of a book that feels very human. So to destroy it feels um, like a, a real act of violence. I couldn't figure out which book to burn. I mean, to be honest, I was, I was becoming very reluctant to go ahead and do it, but I was convinced that it would be an interesting thing for the, for the purposes of me working on my book. I finally then thought, well, I don't, I can't decide what to burn. I don't want to burn a book that I don't like. And I know that sounds odd, but it felt almost worse to burn a book I didn't like. And at the same time, I didn't want to burn a book I loved. I just was completely stuck. I, I couldn't figure out what to do. And finally, my husband presented me with a new copy of Fahrenheit 451, and I knew that I had the right book to burn. Hmm. Well, and what was that? Um, how did you, like, did you go to your backyard or how, how did that? What, what, how did you end up doing? I, I went to I went to the backyard uh, with a lot of water nearby because I I figured it was not the safest thing to do, particularly in California where we have a lot of concern about fires. Um, so I had a couple of buckets of water and I did it on an aluminum cookie sheet because I assumed that would be some so. Maybe not entirely fireproof, but somewhat fireproof. Um, and it was uh, it was this very strange experience. I don't recommend it. I, I <laughs> we don't either here. So. <laughs> yeah, I would say not a good idea unless you're writing a book about burning books mm-hmm. and you're doing it for research. Um, and I was really shocked. It happened very quickly. Very almost, it was almost like a little explosion. I mean, the book burned so quickly that I I was left kind of aghast. And I think I, uh, did, you went out and bought another copy, just, I don't know, is that sort of the climate? Yes. I, I mean, that was the, the thing about it. And, you know, I knew that it was a replaceable, uh, item. I mean, it's not, Burning a book is not a matter – I mean, our the taboo is not because it's difficult to replace the book. I mean, these days it's very easy to replace a book. But it it's still a, a fundamental taboo. And after I burned it, I went and bought another copy and felt incredibly sheepish about having done it. 
um, and then reread Fahrenheit 451 uh, <laughs> as part of my penance right. for burning it. Um, besides the, the burning of the material and everything that was in the library, you, you talked about um, how the, the the workers, the work, the library workers, were really upset about not being able to serve their patrons anymore and, and how they, they needed r- real help in, in overcoming that or, or dealing with that. Can you, can you talk about that and your conversations with them? It was uh, fascinating to me how, um, how deeply traumatized the librarians were after the fire. And it, it was both because of the loss of the collections that they had spent years helping to develop, but also because they felt bereft that they were not helping their patrons. And they were very concerned about whether their patrons would be okay and whether they would, um, how they would manage without the library. And it struck me as a very, very revealing of how, how deeply librarians care about servicing their communities and how, how important it is to them. They don't just push books out the door that that's not what they do. They help people and they feel very strongly their, their mission is to connect people with information and being in a position where they weren't able to do that left them feeling really devastated. Um, I know part of the book, you also, I think you took a, a tour of um, Overdrive. And I mentioned that because here at SCLO, that's what the platform we use uh, for our e-books. I guess. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because um, we talk about burning books and now you can get books that don't burn, basically, uh, what that was like touring that facility. Well, it was fascinating. On one hand, there's nothing to see since it's really a huge computer network that services uh, libraries and universities with e-media. But they had a an incredible map that showed in real time books being checked out, e-books being checked out all over the universe. So you could sit there and see, you know, one minute it was somebody checking out a book in Toulouse, France. Another minute it was somebody in Indonesia checking out another book, uh, somebody in Peru. It was it was really amazing. Um, very, it, you could sit and watch that map all day. It was absolutely fascinating. Um, and there, it, it's certainly, uh, a future that we are going to be engaged in, uh, namely the future of e-media and the fact that it will be more and more convenient for people to take books out, um, as e-books. But, they support libraries um, very actively, not only as the portal through which these books are borrowed, but libraries are places and they will remain important as physical places, regardless of the way we borrow books. And that that's something that the people at Overdrive will tell you in 
you know, just as quickly as I will, that libraries matter as places and they may reinvent themselves in the future more, more and more as the books will go out as e-media and the libraries become centers for other kinds of sharing. But the library as a place will not go away. And I don't think we want it to go away. Yeah, I was wondering, do you feel, I mean, your book seems to be coming out at almost the perfect time. Um, you, you might be familiar, there was that, uh, that column a few a month or so ago that I think Forbes posted about, and someone wrote how Amazon should just take over the libraries, and they had to take it down. There was such a backlash, and then all of a sudden there was columns um, writing love stories to libraries almost. I mean, do you sense a renewed love, renewed appreciation for what happens at libraries and what, what they can do to serve communities? Absolutely. And I think that that's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, first of all, libraries belong to all of us and there is no way that there's no substitute for that. Libraries belong to the people. They're, they respond to the public. They are, uh, they, they are our, hub of information and there's something very important about communities having a place that is not a not run by a private company but that belongs to us and that we can feel ownership of um and i just i think that this is a, a moment where people are looking at what democracy can do well and how inclusiveness is a, a really positive thing and not a burden that is uh, in some way detracts, but instead enriches all of us. And libraries embody that. And this is a moment where I think we're, we're appreciating what that means. That's great. Yeah, and your book is a great piece to that. Um, before wrapping up, um, I, what I ask um, our guests is uh, if they can talk about a book or books that uh, have impacted their life, whether it was a book as a child or even a book you read recently that has made an impact on you. Well, certainly when I was uh, in high school and I read Faulkner for the first time, The Sound and the Fury, I felt like I was suddenly seeing the world in a new way that from which there was no turning back. It, it was the book that launched me really into the world of sophisticated reading and a love passion for the literature that I still love now. So that, that book, you know, among the, the books that are really meaningful to me, that would have to be the one that, figures the largest because it was the first one that made me think I'm a reader. I'm, this is what I want to do with my life is to be in the world of, of words. Well, Susan, Hey, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the book. Um, I know all of us who work in libraries, um, are big fans of it. So we appreciate it so much. And, uh, and hopefully maybe you come to Pennsylvania, I'll definitely be uh, recommending people try to try to go see you. 
Well, thank you. And it's a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I will be in, uh, let's see, where will I be in Pennsylvania? I thought I, I think I'm coming to Philadelphia on my book tour. I have to check my schedule, but um, I'm really excited to get out there in the world and talk to people about the book. It feels great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again and, and uh, congratulations. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. in reading the library book or borrowing it or any, uh, most of Susan Orlean's books we have here at SCLO, um, come check them out. Check the li- our website, sclolibrary.org. Um, if it's already, if they're taken out, you can put a request, put a hold on it, and um, then you'll be notified when, when they're available for you to, to check out. Um, I did check out our website, susanorlean.com. Uh, as of now, she doesn't have anything, a visit scheduled for anywhere in Pennsylvania, but that could change. So if you want to periodically check her website, susanorlean.com, and who knows, maybe she'll come to Pennsylvania or near here. That'd be great to see her. Uh, some events uh, happening at SCLO. Uh, Tuesday, November 27th, we have a couple things going on. In the morning, 9 a.m., it's the registration for Polar Express, uh, the popular of, event uh, that'll be happening uh, December 1st and 2nd and 8th and 9th, but registration, and they go fast, as you probably know if you have registered in the past, is uh, Tuesday, November 27th, starting at 9 a.m. And that evening, Tuesday, November 27th, at 6.30 p.m., it's our rescheduled uh, evening with Mimi Barish Coppersmith, uh, the longstanding resident, uh, founder of Town & Gown magazine. Uh, we'll be reflecting on her 60 years of living here, how the town has changed, and also, uh, she came out with her book, Eat, uh, Eat First, Cry Later, and so she'll be reading from that and doing a book sale and signing afterwards. So that's uh, 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday, November 27th. On Thursday, December 6th, if you've ever had an interest of, at working at Penn State, uh, Penn State uh, Pennsylvania Career Link is going to have a program snagging, snagging a job at Penn State, and it'll you know, help you look through the application and interview process if you've ever had an interest of working for the university. And then on December 1st, uh, Saturday, December 1st, and Sunday, December 2nd, Penn State thespians in our children's department, um, or for our children's department, it'll be in the community room, will be presenting Corduroy, a production of Corduroy, uh, they're doing two shows on Saturday, December 1st at 11 a.m. and 2.30 p.m., and then a show at 2.30 p.m. on Sunday, December 2nd. And you can get a preview of that and a preview next week, uh, the episode for this podcast. Uh, I talk with a couple members of Penn State Thespians, and they'll be talking about Corduroy and Penn State Thespians and all that. So you can look forward to that next week. And uh, again, uh, check out our website, sclolibrary.org, for all of our events as we get into the holiday season. Things are going to be a little bit quiet. Um, you know, Polar Express obviously is going to be big, but uh, we're you know getting ready for the, you know the holiday season and looking ahead to next year. Uh, the, the calendars, the winter calendar, should be here soon, and you can check that out. Uh, you can go to our social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, the e-newsletter, our November-December one, went out to uh, patrons and volunteers. If you haven't received it and are interested in getting it, uh, you can talk to uh, someone at the, the library desk or uh, go into your account. There is a way to, to sign up for the e-newsletter. 
So until next week, when we will be talking with members of the Penn State Thespians, uh, we hope you have a great Thanksgiving again, and hope to see you at Slow Library. <laughs>